Hi, I'm Diana Kilpack. Thank you for listening to My Castle, the second book of the Appalachian Storm series. Like I said before, the second book is my favorite. It is the longest and has a lot of information in it. It is now time for comments and questions. First comment. I thought you were going to indicate chess pieces in your story. You only mentioned the castle one time while you were talking to the sheriff in the woods. This comment surprises me. I believe I described a castle southern style on multiple occasions. Katie moves from a two-bedroom small house into an old southern mansion. The mansion was owned by a prominent family, and the area's economy was completely based on this family's industry. The family held secrets from the community. There were secret passageways throughout the mansion, and there was a place below ground which had access to the outside. To me, this is all the elements of a castle. I really enjoyed thinking of the items I could put in the southern mansion to turn it into a castle. Second comment. You mispronounce Appalachia. It should be Appalachia. I probably mispronounce a lot of words. I will try and remember to say Appalachian instead of Appalachian. If I forget, don't kill me. Or worse, stop listening. I can't stand David. <laughs> I'm going to react to this comment the same way Katie would. David is a good guy. He just made some mistakes. Give him a chance. He will redeem himself. Next question. Are you Katie? My sisters tell me my personality is a lot like Katie. Personally, I do not believe I am as strong as Katie. She is the person I would like to become. Next comment. The fighting at the end of the book wasn't very long. This is my personality getting in the way of the story. Whenever I have read a book and there was a physical fight, I would always skip to the end. I don't like actual fighting and I'm more interested in how personalities interact with each other or how relationships develop. I talked to an author about having them include some of their fightings in the scenes, but I decided against it. Okay, it's time to move on to The Night, the third book in the series. The first chapter immediately begins the next day where the last one ended. This time around, I have not completed the audio. Therefore, there may be some time gaps in between chapters while I work on the audio. With spring coming on, I have a lot of outside projects I'd like to work on, which will get in the way of me working on this particular project. If you like this series, please tell your friends and family. I haven't spent any cost on advertising, so the only way anyone knows about this endeavor is by you, my audience. By the way, when they come to Sam's death, tell them it gets better. Everyone gets really angry with me when Sam dies. To tell you the truth, I cried when I wrote about Sam's death. I loved her too. I put my emotions in Katie's thoughts and actions. I know what it's like to experience a death of a loved one. The emotional release I felt in writing about Katie's heartache helped me understand my own feelings about the loss I felt and still feel today. The third book, The Night, 
has Katie realizing the judgment she has made was rash. She needs to reevaluate who the evil in her life really is. Without any further ado, I bring the night, the third book in the Appalachian... Oh, excuse me, Appalachian Storm Series. Chapter 1. Sleeping Sickness Sheriff Tate, this is Katie Johnson. Katie paused, knowing the sheriff would be surprised by her call. Hello, Katie, the sheriff said gruffly. We have some casualties. We need to get them home to their families. Can you take care of that for us? Katie asked as if she was borrowing a cup of sugar. There was a significant pause on the other line. How many kids are we talking about, Katie? Thirteen, Katie said. We have their names, phone numbers, and addresses. It should be easy to send them home. It's never easy telling parents their child is dead. I am pretty sure their parents knew what they were doing and will not be surprised by their deaths. Is the fighting over? No, Katie said with a sigh. The biggest one is yet to come on the full moon. I want to have a thorough discussion with you, the sheriff said. Yeah, I figured that, Katie said with a small laugh. There was a significant silence. Where do I collect the bodies, Sheriff Tate said gruffly. It would be easier if we bring them to you, Katie paused. Where would you like them? The morgue will be fine, Katie. Katie nodded in relief. This conversation could have gone a lot differently. How long will it take you to get to the morgue and clear everyone out of the building? Why do I need to clear the building? The sheriff asked. Because we don't want anyone to see us when we deliver the bodies, Katie deliberately explained. Maybe you can have a bomb threat or something. The sheriff sighed. Let me do my job, Katie. I'll figure something out. Okay, Katie said brightly. Thank you, Sheriff. Katie, the sheriff said in a very authoritative voice. I will arrive at your address in 1300 hours. I expect you to be there and give me a thorough account of what exactly has been happening in my town. Is that 1 p.m. in the afternoon? Yes! Criminy, Sheriff. Why don't you just say 1 p.m.? Katie shook her head in exasperation. I'll see you then. Turning around, she gave David a thumbs up. Everything is all set. I still don't think it's a good idea to involve the Sheriff, David said grudgingly. Katie shrugged, not wanting to get into another argument as to why Sheriff Tate had to be told everything. We have about two hours before the sheriff is at my house for a full explanation. You have two hours till you talk to the sheriff, David emphasized. I'm needed elsewhere. Katie frowned. You're not coming with me? Nope, David said. Katie studied everyone in the room. They all seemed to be interested in everything around them and not looking directly at her. No one is willing to come with me to talk to the sheriff? Putting her hands on her hips, she couldn't stop glaring at Zack. What happened to not letting me out of your sight? If you want to become someone's government sideshow, that's up to you, Zack explained with a half laugh. Personally, I don't like living in a cage. Oh, please, 
Katie couldn't keep the sarcasm out of her voice. There isn't a cage out there that could hold me. Katie flopped on the couch, ignoring the way the piece of furniture groaned under her weight. Fine, I'll go by myself. How hard is it to tell one sheriff from a small town he has were animals living in his backyard? It's your fault he knows anything, Cluxy pointed out. Katie rolled her eyes. I couldn't let the man die out there in the woods. We've been through this a hundred times, David said. Katie is right. He should be told something after what he saw. Katie leaned her head against the couch, closing her eyes. I just don't want to tell the whole boring story about running deer, fighting the tiger, blah, blah, blah. I'm sick of hearing it, let alone having to tell it all over again. Katie, Katie jumped in the voice in her head. What's wrong, Jared? There is something going on with the seeker who still has the sleeping sickness, Jared said with his thoughts. I'm on my way, Katie said immediately. Without explanation, Katie teleported. She let her instincts take over and ran towards Jared. She knew exactly where he was in the large compound. What's wrong? Jared stood beside a large cage. Inside, a young man was lying asleep on a cot. The other seekers were crowded around the room, staring at the sleeping form. Listen to his breathing, Jared said quietly. Katie moved nearer. The young man was breathing heavily through his mouth. She stepped a little closer, trying to understand what she was seeing. Is he panting like a dog? she asked. Jared nodded. He started doing this about an hour ago. Have you tried communicating with him? Katie asked quietly. Jared gave a derogatory laugh. We've tried everything. We can't reach him. Katie crouched down, resting her hand on the bars. What's his name? Cole? The answer came from Kevin, one of the leaders of the Seekers. We should end his life, Kevin said quietly. I know he wouldn't want to be a slave. Katie automatically shook her head. We can't give up. Would you like to turn into one of those mindless wolves? Trevor, another Seeker, asked. Katie shook her head again, not wanting to give up on the sleeping Seeker. There is something else, Jared said. Katie kept watching the panting sleeping form, waiting for Jared to continue. The other Seekers, who had the sleeping sickness, are losing their mental powers. What? Katie gasped in shock. Jared shrugged. Yesterday, they could move objects with their mind. Today, they act like newborns. What? They can't do the most basic exercises, Jared said in frustration. In fact, some of them can't remember being were animals, while others can't remember people's names they are friends with. Uneasiness settled in the pit of Kate's stomach. No! That's not right. We saved them. We saved them all. Katie turned back to the sleeping form in front of her. All this time, I thought. The idea of failing was tearing her up inside. Katie, Jared said quietly. She shook her head, not wanting to hear any more. My dad is bringing in more cages for the other seekers. She closed her eyes, letting defeat wash over her. Are you forgetting things? Jared asked. Katie gave Jared a blank stare until the implications of his words sunk into her consciousness. 
Correctly reading the anguish in his eyes, she turned back to the sleeping form on the bed, only inches from her hand. Reaching out, she grabbed the young man's hand. Cole, can you hear me? You have to wake up now. The panting immediately stopped. Do you want to be a slave? She demanded. Use the animal spirit in your body and fight the demon that wants to possess you. She felt the squeeze of his hand closing around hers. That's it, Cole. Fight for your life. She felt a rush of excitement. His hand squeezed more. The excitement soon died when her hand began to throb. Trying to pull away, she was surprised when she couldn't. She jerked her hand, unable to free it. Cursing softly, Jared reached over and pried the fingers off Katie's palm. When her hand was released, she jumped back, staring at the sleeping form. Cole's hand dangled down from the cot. The panting immediately resumed. We should kill him, Kevin said. No, Katie welled. He's not hurting anyone. He can't get out of the cage, right? We don't know what we're doing with Katie. I know, Jared. But just because we don't know how to save him doesn't mean there isn't a way, Katie cried. We have to try. Jared sighed wearily. We'll keep him in the cage a little longer. Before Katie could reply, her cell phone began ringing. Giving Jared an apologetic shrug, she reached into her back pocket and grabbed it. Hello, Mom, what's up? There was a momentary pause. This is Sheriff Tate. Sheriff! Katie burst out in surprise. Sorry, my mom is the only one who calls me. Another pause. Why is your mother the only one who calls you, Katie? The sheriff asked. Katie rubbed her eyes. Did you need something, sheriff? The sheriff gave a small sigh. The morgue is empty. Oh, she was immediately aware, the tension in the room rising while everyone listened intently to her side of the conversation. Uh, where exactly is the morgue? The basement of the sheriff's department, Tate said. The room erupted into murmurs and scared whispers. Shh, she said distractedly. Obviously, everyone could hear the sheriff, too. Who is there with you, Katie? The sheriff asked nonchalantly. Katie frowned. The questions sound a little too friendly. Everyone in the room stopped breathing. She glanced towards Jared. Rolling his eyes, he gave her a let's wrap this up gesture. Thanks, Sheriff. I'll let you know if I need anything else. She quickly ended the call. Remind me again why we were letting the Sheriff know about us? Jared asked. I couldn't let the man die out there in the woods. Katie burst out. Ignoring the exasperated look Jared was giving her, she stalked out of the room. Justin! she called out with her thoughts. Yes, ma'am. Justin immediately responded. The sheriff is ready to receive our casualties, Katie directed. There was another pause. Where exactly does the sheriff want us to take the bodies? Justin asked. The basement of the police department. Katie tried to sound nonchalant, but knew she hadn't succeeded when no reply was forthcoming. Justin, let me get this straight. You want us to teleport 13 bodies to the basement of the police department? Oh, for crying out loud, Katie said in frustration. I'll clear the way and make sure no one is there. Katie thought about teleporting directly into the police department, 
but didn't want to have someone see her appear in thin air. Walking out to her jeep, she revved the engine. She had been teleporting so much she actually missed driving. Parking in front of the police department, she couldn't help noticing how deserted everything looked. Getting out of the jeep, she looked around. The entire street was completely empty. She resisted the urge to change into wolf form and smell the air. Walking up the steps, she couldn't help remembering the last time she was there. She could almost hear the eerie howls as the wolves began their hunt for her. The desperate run she had made towards Jared, ending in her getting bitten five times. The sleeping sickness soon followed, attacking her body and almost taking her freedom from her. She silently vowed to save the Seekers, who were now fighting for their freedom this very minute. Opening the door, she looked around. Not a single person could be seen anywhere in the building. Grabbing her cell phone, she called the sheriff's number. Hearing the ringing through the phone, she realized she could also hear it in the building. Tracking the sound, she slowly opened the door that had Sheriff scrolled on the front. The phone was sitting on an empty desk. Following her instincts, she turned into wolf form. Lifting her head, she sniffed the air. The distinct scent of the sheriff was everywhere in the room. Trailing the stronger scent led to stairs leading down. She proceeded slowly until she reached a room with tables and cots. Turning towards the scent, she turned back into human form, opening what looked like a closet door. There he was, crouched down, a shotgun in his hands. He was dripping wet with sweat. His hand on the trigger was shaking so badly, Katie was afraid he would shoot himself. Hello, Sheriff, Katie said, trying to sound as friendly as possible. My friends were afraid to come, thinking you had plans on locking them up. She crossed her arms. I assured them you could be trusted. The sheriff had enough grace to look embarrassed. Rising to his feet, he studied Katie for a long moment. Can you be trusted? The question surprised her. Yes. Nodding, he wiped his face with his shirt. Come on, Sheriff, we need to take a walk, Katie said casually. Sheriff Tate immediately stiffened. If I was going to kill you, I would have already done it in the woods, Katie said in exasperation. Again, he studied her features. Where are you taking me? He said gruffly. Outside? She turned, walking away, letting the man follow her at his own pace. When they reached the front door, Katie turned back around. How did you get everyone to leave the building? I said, get out, the sheriff said gruffly. Pushing the front door open, she couldn't stop grinning. Okay, Justin, the police department is empty. Since we have never been there, we don't know how to get there, Justin replied. Oh, for crying out loud, Katie said in frustration. Stay here, Sheriff. I'll be right back. Turning back around, she entered the police station. Teleporting to her waterfall, she spotted Justin a few feet from her. Grabbing his hand, she teleported to the morgue. This is where the bodies need to go. Got it? Running up the steps and back out to the sheriff, she stopped, realizing the man had not moved. Giving a sigh of relief, she glanced around, trying to think of something to say. So, it's a nice day, isn't it? 
The sheriff glared. The bodies are all in the morgue, Katie, Justin informed her. Given a sigh of relief, Katie gave the sheriff a quick salute. I guess that's it. Thanks for your time. She quickly turned and headed towards her jeep. Wait a minute, the sheriff said in a commanding voice, obviously trying to gain control of the situation. When can I expect the bodies to arrive? Katie turned to him in surprise. They're already in the morgue, Sheriff. Revving the engine, she put the vehicle in gear. See you later. Thank you for listening to The Night, the third book in the Appalachian Storm series. 